Pop quiz. What do you get when you cross someone who hates editing with a software that always crashes, but a love for making content? You get another episode of Liberty After Dark. That's what you get. Hit the music. Oh man, let me tell you guys something. It has been quite the quarter of a year since we've last talked to each other. I know I, I got all all melodramatic, and I was you know tired of doing the show as it was, and yet here we are sitting. Well, here I am. It's not live, at least not this one. We'll we'll toy around, maybe in the future. But I promised I would put out some content, and I promise it first on the Facebook page that I was going to make a video. Well, it turns out that uh, your boy, your boy Christian here still hates making conventional videos. And um, I find the process of editing video to be agonizingly painful. And uh, after I had a crash in Adobe that caused me to lose a good majority of my progress one day, I said, screw it. We can do all of this in a normal style episode. I'll upload it to the podcast. Everybody would be like, what? Uh, I still get new people who like the Facebook page every day almost, uh, so obviously there's still some kind of desire out there for this, and I felt like I cut the show off at probably the worst time to end this sort of education on the process of, of creating liberty in a, in a space where there is, is a, it's such a dwindling resource. You know, and I kind of spent a lot of this time relearning some of the stuff that I had been talking about so much. And really, I kind of did what I before the show started when I had this, you know, grand quest of like finding the truth of the universe or whatever hyperbolic nonsense I was, you know, fixated on at that moment. I I really just kind of took a step back and reimmersed myself in the culture. And instead of pretending to be some guru or teacher or something like that, I just listened and I had conversations and instead of preaching, I just joined the discussion again. And I feel like these last three months have been really constructive for me. I've been doing all sorts of projects personally. I've been focusing on school and working and making sure all that's going well. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book now. I'm not going to plug any of that. That's literally going to be forever before it's done. So, but you know, that's something that I'm working on. And, and, uh, I feel like it's, it's been constructed. I, I needed this break. And that's what I really think this is going to prove to be, um, whether we go back to weekly or biweekly content or whatever it is. I think, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that you're going to see more lad stuff in the podcast and at least especially in the audio format like this is. Whether or not I produce any grand videos or we do two hour streams again, you know, on scheduled times, that's that's that remains to be seen. But I think I think this is a good thing to have for me, for you, for everybody. So just to give some quick updates before we get into the actual meat and potatoes of this, if you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking about some pretty cool stuff today. So I don't want to bore you, but uh, moving is complete. I am now in uh, San Marcos. I am just outside of Austin, Texas, the little commie heart of the the, the great state that is Texas. And, and I say state is in the, the loose conglomeration of people that are here, not the government that rules over us. Uh, it's me and my dog Trip. So if any of you guys are wondering, Trip is still fine. He had his 13th birthday in July and he is kicking and roaring. And, and honestly, he's one of the reasons I don't know if I can do a live stream. That dog is so needy now. I think it's just cause it's me and him. He's kind of like bonded 
even more, but uh, <laughs> that's where we're at as far as that's going. Uh, school starts up in a week, but uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty easy for me. I got three classes, so I'm not too worried about that. And man, oh man, do we have some stuff to talk about today. So for anybody who hasn't been keeping up with the Facebook page, God, two months ago now, I teased that I was working on some stuff for uh, some content about the Chaz, right? Because when when all of this was going on, right, this had this was right after I cut the show off. The protests had started picking up. We really had started to see the full implementation of the the BLM protests in the public space. They were on the news. The you know, and, and it was almost right after I believe I, I did the the quote unquote end of Liberty After Dark show was when the whole Chaz thing happened. It was, I think the week after that, if I'm not mistaken, because I think I did my episode on like the 20 something of May. And then it was like June, the very big first week of June was when the Chaz started. And so for those of you who don't know what the Chaz is somehow, or the Chad or the chop as they wound up calling it, which is a terrible name. The Chaz stands for the Capitol Hill autonomous zone. It was a, Occupation protest by a loose conglomeration of what are essentially commies who went and occupied this public area in Seattle's capital. Uh, Not all of it was public space, mind you, and we'll get into this later, but they wound up rebranding about halfway through the endeavor to the CHOP, which was the Capitol Hill occupied protest because they felt like autonomous zone was too controversial which I think is just kind of goes to testament again, we'll get into this later, but to give the context, everything, they had a whole bunch of bad stuff happen there. It was a, it was really a, a horribly failed experiment, but that is not so much what I want to focus on. What I want to focus on is the underlying ideas behind the chap, the Chaz, the, the, the protest, whatever you want to call it. We're going to call it the Chaz for the rest of this and deconstruct the core idea behind it and see if there's some real, gusto there right see if see if they're 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 touching on to something because i feel like even people who we ideologically might be opposed to in some extent they don't always have bad ideas right they're completely capable of having the occasional good idea so let's go ahead and take some time and break down what was actually happening behind the chaz and We'll obviously have to talk about some of the bad things that they did, but let's talk about how, if there's a way to do a Chaz right. That's really what I want to focus on today. Is there a way to do a Chaz right? And if there is, is it worth doing? So the first thing we really need to do is is make sure we have correctly defined the Chaz as far as, since this will be the lens that we're viewing this entire thing from, I want to make sure we get this right. So occasionally I will be reading some things from the script of the would-be video that was going to go over this exact same topic, but less in a discussion format. And that was going to be more like, you know, a conventional video essay sort of thing. We're going to talk real quick just about what the Chaz is and what it isn't or was and wasn't, I suppose I should say. The easiest way to describe the Chaz is exactly in the name. It is an occupied protest that established an autonomous zone of the Seattle Capitol Hill area. There's really anything more that was added to that is all execution on the idea and less so like what we're going to be focusing on today. And, to, to fair, the fairness of everybody who's listening, 
there were a couple of places where this deviated from that. Uh, they did a lot of publicity talking about how they were just occupying public space. Well, they failed to mention how they were harassing and damaging private property and et cetera. Obviously, we don't agree with that on this program. Uh, not to brush off the bad things that they did or the extortion and the use of force that was propagated inside of their compound or commune, if you'd rather call it that. More so, I want to focus on just that idea. It is an occupied protest, which all an occupied protest means is that a bunch of people who disagree with something get together and occupy an area, usually public space in this case, uh, though there are some other examples of occupied protests throughout history that involve private spaces, but we're not discussing that. And then they establish an autonomous zone as their community. So a, a group of people voluntarily come to a place and say, your rules no longer apply to us. This is our line. This is where we are. Let's just be cool. That's basically the whole idea of establishing an autonomous zone. Uh, a lot of people compared the Chaz to the Paris Commune. And just to give a little bit of historical context in favor of the Chaz, as far as the history of autonomous zones are concerned, this is one of the more peaceful instances of, of the development of an autonomous zone. Uh, again, the Paris Commune is the most historically cited answer or uh, comparison, rather. And it is literally starts with just blood and 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 destruction um from the beginning of its establishment uh whether or not you would say that some of their actions were legitimate compared to others uh, i mean there were plenty plenty of instances of private property being destroyed people were being executed who didn't support the commune it was just uh, a literal fuster cluck there's no other way to put it and compare that to what happened in the chaz did people die in the chaz did people get hurt in the Chaz? Did people have their property in the stolen in the Chaz? Yes. But if we're comparing the two, the scale of damage, death, and destruction that happened is, isn't even close to comparable. And you could say a lot of that has to do with how high profile the incident was or the, the protest was. And that forced them to put on this, this lens of niceness that everything was fine and everything was dandy and okay uh, and there was plenty of other terrible things that happened there like the the forced segregation and stuff like that that we won't even get into and the reappropriation of people's wealth that was encouraged and blah 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 literally a treasure trove of things that were wrong with the implementation of the chaz but the idea of an occupied protest establishing an autonomous zone is probably one that you have either heard or suggested yourself Every time someone says, hey, man, let's just get a boat, go to an island, set up Libertania, we'll, you know, build everything up. All we need is a little bit of money and we can just build everything up and have our own free society. Those are people who are looking to establish an autonomous zone. And if you're someone who comes from the background like I do, which most of you are, and you look at this from the lens of a voluntarist, the land that is being occupied in these public pro occupied protests like the Chaz, the majority of it is public land, which there is no such thing as public land, right? Public land is simply just unclaimed land that has some illegitimate authority ruling over it, defending it. Okay. That's all it is. All, all this state and national land that doesn't quote unquote belong to anyone. Uh, that that's exactly it. It's, it's essentially unclaimed land as far as any 
consistent definition of property and, and legitimate uh, ownership of property is concerned. Um, and that's the first thing that really stood out to me, right? I, I halfway expected if something like this would happen, it would be an occupation of like personal property. Like they would find some poor millionaire's abandoned mansion or something or, or, or some, you know, un what they would determine as illegitimate owned, like an unused piece of, of land or something. And they would prop themselves up there uh, and squat basically uh, actually squat on private property, but they didn't. And that was the first time where I had to sit back and I was like, okay, what is actually happening here? And if we separate ourselves from the actions of individuals as an idea, is an autonomous zone worth entertaining? Right. And so if we go back and, you know, when, when you break it down, it's really it's quite a simple equation. You ask who owned it, the land that is being occupied on. Was it owned by an individual or a legitimate? You know, did anybody have a legitimate claim to that land? If no, then were they the ones to establish and uh, make claim to that land and set up their autonomous zone there? then you've checked all the boxes off you need from my understanding of property. And from what I've discussed with other people, their understandings of property, you've established all that you need to have a legitimate claim to that piece of property. Now, I feel like at this point, it's a bit of my duty to step out and say, I would advise strongly against going out and claiming public roads and sidewalks and stuff like that as your own property. You, know, you stake your flag in the ground, put up a sign, say, this is my land, etc., yada, yada, um, or, or build a fence or whatever. I, I would highly advise against that, even though there would technically be a valid ethical justification for doing so as far as establishing that as your property and making yourself the highest uh, reasonable claim to that property. I would advise against it for a, a number of reasons, including impeding people's ability to travel who would otherwise just be peaceful members of society. Now, if for a completely ex different example, you went like I established earlier to some of this just completely unused national land that exists as part of uh, a number of different federal agencies and in particularly in areas like the Midwest went out there, built a cabin, built a couple cabins, built a city, built, put in a gas station, ran power lines, water, etc built yourself a little community and then established yourself as an autonomous zone, you would be completely legitimate in doing so because that land has no owner. That land is completely unclaimed land in the any consistent usage of the term property that doesn't involve an illegitimate authority dictating who gets what as property. The only way you can make public property is in government owned quote unquote owned property a thing is if you use the government definition of property, which means it is recognized by the legal system as a person's property. Now, if you didn't know, we don't really care too much on this program about whether or not the government sanctions your right to own something. Uh, it's completely, like I said, I've said a dozen times so far on this program already where we've been in 15 minutes and I've already, I don't know how many times I've used the word illegitimate, but today is not the day where we will be fighting the battle over whether or not the property is illegitimate. I felt like I did a pretty good job of describing that, even though I had no intention to when I started this. Uh, but there you go. 
there's your quick and dirty explanation for why the ownership of public property is illegitimate as far as the government is concerned. Now, I started all of this off by sort of asking the question, more begging the question than anything, as far as well, why don't we do a Chaz, right? Why, why don't we give this a shot? And really, I think the same reason that you don't see everybody out on the streets fighting against every single infringement against them and their person and their property is that we all have something to lose, right? We saw what the Chaz was, and there is always this fear that you can mess up as bad as they did, right? Because uh, whether we like to admit it or not, the people who originally developed the Chaz, I don't think they expected it to spiral into the monstrosity that it became. I, I have no reason to believe that what became the Chaz was the intent of developing the Chaz. There's no, from what I can tell, through line there. Uh, in fact, a lot of them, who you would call quote-unquote leaders of the community, tried really hard uh, to work against a lot of the issues that we saw as far as you know, the beatings and, and people stealing property and stuff, you know, it was all, there was at least some sort of conscious attempt to mitigate the number of these instances that happened, which, you know, I'll give them credit where credit is due in that regard. They failed, but at least they tried. I mean, I personally know a number of people who have come up to me and said, Hey man, like seriously, I've done the math. Like we can buy this area we can get a boat. It'll cost us this much money. If we buy this much food, we can make it last this long. We can start growing these in this area. People who have had seriously well thought out considerations for how to move somewhere and get away from the tyranny that is over us right now, that always has been, especially these days. But, you know, it has been a continuous force in our lives since we can all remember. And you know, it really comes down to the fact that we all have something to lose. I know I said it earlier, but like you all have at least jobs, property, family, stability. You have something here that is keeping you here. And that's a completely natural reaction to have. That's a that's a self-preservation instinct right there. That's not, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you're just a bunch of cowards for, for not going out and giving up everything you have and own to go become a part of the greater good or, you know, however they'll spin it. And, you know, I don't see it from that perspective, honestly. I, I think that people have legitimate reasons for not wanting to completely upend their lives to go live in a free society. But that doesn't mean that they aren't entitled to, at the same time, dissent vocally about being in the situation that they're in now. So just for fun, I wanted to take a little bit of time and say what would my ideal libertarian anarchist Chaz look like, right? If, if I was got a bunch of people together and said, we're, we're chasing this, uh, and I, I guess I'd call mine the, uh, forested area autonomous zone because that's uh, the faz. <laughs> um, cause that's probably where I'd go, honestly, uh, or, or somewhere in the Midwest, somewhere as far away like within reasonable distance from civilization, because you need to get back and forth and get supplies and food and stuff like that while you're still, you know, a member of the society. But somewhere you can go that's far enough away from people that you can stay out of their way, they can stay out of your way, and uh, you can make everything you need work from there. And uh, really, that's kind of, you know, I, other than setting up a, a NAP compliant system that everybody would consensually agree to. And then we could, you know, perhaps hash out some further agreements under there that we would 
you know, abide by contract law after that, and then establish the ownership of property in the area. Then from that point on, you know, it would just be putting the experiment to the test and it would be very difficult. It would not be a paradise world. It would be significantly more difficult living in that society than it would be if, say, the mythical entire United States converts tomorrow to voluntarism would be, uh, considering the fact that you don't have all of the benefits of existing in a, a large space with millions of people that all exist under that same or close to philosophical mindset. Uh, it's a few dozen at most, in most cases, maybe a few hundred if you get some really convincing results. Uh, but what it would be is an interesting experiment, I think. Whether or not it succeeded uh, wouldn't change any of the ethical principles that uh, it was based off of. And, you know, this is kind of like the no true communism fallacy, as I'll call it. Uh, even if it did fail, it wouldn't like disprove voluntarism as a philosophy because voluntarism doesn't make claims about the success of the society. It makes claims about the illegitimate use of violence against people and the capacity as individuals to live free lives without tyranny forced over ourselves. So again, it's not like it would, even if it did fail, it's not like it would disprove any of that, but it would almost certainly get people arrested. It would almost certainly, if it, they didn't get arrested, get someone hurt by the hands of the government. And that's probably the number one concern that most people have when they look at joining or participating in something like this. So as someone who's looking at this from the perspective of like, is this something that you could feasibly do? Yeah, of course you could. I think we've made it pretty clear now that as long as the land is public, which means it's unclaimed land, you completely have the right to ethically go out there and, and establish any sort of community that you want. Uh, you would be risking life, limb and property in doing so. But, you know, I mean, if, if that is your prerogative, then by all means, I say give it a shot. I would love to see someone really put it to the test. Would I go out and join? I mean, that's a question everybody has to ask themselves. And honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, we, everybody has a line, right? We've talked about this before on the show. Everybody has this line where they say like, okay, enough's enough. And I think a lot of people are getting close, but obviously we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, maybe a few people have uh, that you might have seen on the news or might not have seen on the news, but I don't, I don't know if I've gotten there yet. I don't know if I've gotten to the point where I could give up all of this because, um, I mean, think about it. If you just go out there into this land, most of, most of it doesn't have electricity. You'd have to set up some kind of solar. Most of it doesn't have running water. You'd have you, There's no way you'd be able to tap into the system anyways without either stealing it from somebody or, or I guess if it's like a public system, then maybe you could make a claim there. But I don't know. That's to me, you'd, that's, a, that's stretching it a bit. I'd have to think about that more. Uh, you know, you'd have dirt roads connecting to whatever public road system until you could get them paved. And that's a lot to give up. That's a lot to give up. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. And, and that's assuming that they even let it happen. Uh, you'd have to conduct it as secretly as possible for as long as possible so that when the, the Fed boys came knocking at your door, you were already established and good to go. Um and even then, there's there's no saying that they wouldn't just completely shut you down there. And then you'd have another decision to make to as far as whether you allow them to escalate. And I think that that's the biggest reason why. Every, every, 
it's so easy for like me, somebody behind a microphone or somebody sitting behind a keyboard to say, you should go out and risk life limb and, and your family and, and your stability and everything because you should do this because, you know, you can go out there and you can make an autonomous zone and you can establish this and you can separate yourself from the tyranny for so long, right? You can go out into the woods not pay taxes, put up a teepee, and hide there for as long as possible. But if they find you, you're going to, your actions will have consequences, whether or not the consequences are ethically justified, because the system that we live in doesn't care if they're ethically justified. They just care that they made the rule and you broke it. Especially if you've given any indication to other people that this is something that they could also get away with. That's a huge no-no. They never appreciate that, so <laughs> don't even try it. Well, guys, my dog is coming up to me letting me know that he needs to go outside. So, really, I think that's all I had to say for this first little mini episode. A little comeback. A little return to form for Liberty After Dark, as you could say. Right now, I'm not going to make a schedule. I'm not going to post any sort of like, hey, we're going to be doing live streams here and now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to let next week do its thing. Uh, let school get started. See how my schedule fully is. Then after that, you know, maybe I'll post something next week. Maybe I won't. We'll see if I come up with anything. But maybe we'll do some more of these quickies in between now and then. See maybe if we'll start doing this on a more regular basis. But uh, yeah, I mean, just consider this is a return to me making content. Maybe we'll just do some more of these quicker you know, 20 to 30 minute videos uh, with just like the, the animation of, of the, the waveform and then I'll post it to the podcast. Um, it's totally a possibility. If you guys like this kind of stuff, let me know. Maybe this is all I need to do. And uh, I mean, hey, if you guys prefer this style of content, I'd be more than happy to continue making it for you guys. Uh, it's way easier to work on than these dang videos. I swear. Every time I start one of these projects, I get way in head over heels and I try to make some big, long, epic video. And it always comes out like trash, honestly. I mean, that's the only way to put it. I, I suck at video editing. I'm way better at this audio stuff. I have a freaking face for for radio anyways so let's just go ahead and uh we'll see how this goes i hope you guys enjoyed make sure you guys check out the facebook page put a like there i'll post if i'm going to do some more cheeky breaky stuff in the future make sure you sub on the youtube channel like blah 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 and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider because we're doing that again so yay everything's coming back it's fun i hope you guys enjoyed and most importantly don't forget to take it easy